podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. You make food, then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us, info at businesschef.org. Welcome, everybody, to the Business Chef Podcast with me, Chef Sean Boucher. Hey, 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 welcome to another one. Here we go again. My good man, Mr. Kent Getson, is here today. He is an entrepreneur of all kinds. This man is doing a lot of things. He is an expert on K-12 food service. He's spent a lot of time doing that. He's really doing some cool things to change what is going on in our schools and school food service. Some very, very cool stuff. You'll have to have to hear more about that. But then he's also doing his own line of fresh garlic salts and seasonings, which is really, really cool. Um, he's got some YouTube videos out there you got to check out. So, Without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kent Getson, so that he can tell you a little bit about his story and share a little bit about his journey up to this point. Uh, let's see, my mom kind of inspired me. Uh, I, I, was, I was interested in cooking and I enjoyed cooking when I was, you know, I was in like my teenage years early teen years 12 or 13 and she proposed that uh, she'd clean she'd clean up the kitchen if I made dinner so um, I was all over that uh, not really super interested in cleaning the kitchen so um, that kind of inspired me and then um, I started working in restaurants you know in high school and um, I decided I, I worked for a chef in, in the town that I live in now a long time ago, like 40 years ago. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I like, I want to be a chef. And he's like, well, you know, it's really messy, messy business. And I'm like, yep, I still want to do it. And this guy would, this guy would just feed me jobs. You know, I was washing dishes and he'd feed me jobs, you know, making rumakis or hotel butter or chopping parsley or some other task, which was great, great, great uh, learning, great learning at the time. I decided to go to culinary school. I, I really wanted to go to CIA in New York, um, but I was, it was kind of scary to blast off from high school and go 3,000 miles away to culinary school in New York. So I, I went to Spokane Community College for their program. I was working, you know, I've, I've just been working since I was 15 years old in the restaurant. So, I mean, I've never stopped working in restaurants or food service somehow. So I moved on to, I uh, did that Spokane stint. And then in the meantime, I, I met my, my, my then wife and we got married and uh, we cut a deal. Uh, if, if we could have a baby, then I could go to New York and go to school because I really wanted to do that. So uh, I know it sounds pretty bad, but, but you know, we worked out and we had, a, we had our first baby. And then when he was nine months old, we blasted off to New York and uh, I did the CIA program in Hyde Park, which was fabulous. Moved right back after the 21-month program and started working in um, Washington State, central Washington, a town called Wenatchee, and became the chef at a, a little country club here in town, or there in town. I did that for eight years, 
and I, I really, I really enjoyed that job a lot. It was, it was, it was a fast paced job and nice people. And I got to do what I wanted to. My boss was great. And then, um, but I was really having a lot of kids at the time. And, and I was like feeling like I was missing out on family life because of the hours, you know, are grueling in restaurants. And so, uh, I was just kind of looking around for something. I didn't want to leave town. I did want a, diff- a different job and, and, you know, slim pickings in, in a small town. So a uh, school district job opened up and uh, I applied for that thinking that would be interesting, great hours. And uh, I was even willing to take a pay cut just to, to get a little bit better schedule. And um, so I actually got offered the job for the school district, uh, Wenatchee School District Food Service Director. I did that for 17 years. and. Uh, it was the perfect thing for the schedule. <laughs> uh, we, we were able to have the, you know, the kind of like the eight to five kind of thing and no weekends, evenings or holidays. And uh, that was really great for the family. Oh man. I hear you on the, uh, on the schedule. I think a lot of us would love to have a schedule like that. Uh, and some of us are lucky enough to have that. I'm not one of them. But uh, <laughs> many, many people are. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you did that were maybe a little bit different or a little bit unique, especially at the time in your school district. We started doing scratch cooking and we started doing, you know, I mean, we started out right out of the gate with salad bars at all the schools. Um, we the school district at the time was shipping hot food and we started, we started, we stopped shipping hot food. Um, what that means is, you know, school districts tend to make food in the morning and then put it in hot carts and then ship it off to the, to the receiving schools at, from a central kitchen. And that food gets to sit around for several hours before it gets eaten. And I just thought that's not, that's not the way to do business. So we switched gears with that and uh, started making everything in advance the day before we just worked our menu schedule and our cycle around um, doing today's menu t- for tomorrow. And then, I mean, tomorrow's menu, sorry, tomorrow's menu today. And then we would ship cold food and then the, the receiving schools would just heat that up. And that was a big, huge improvement in quality. So anyway, we made really, in 17 years, we made some really good um, uh, advances in school food service and we were getting a lot of attention even some national attention for our farm to school program and the scratch cooking we were doing and i got to be part of some uh national committee from farm to school and and so we were starting to get some energy behind that and uh people were asking me how i how i was doing that part of of the of the business you know how do you break into the farm to school thing and about scratch cooking and so I started going around and doing some little side hustles where I would uh, teach others to do so in other districts. And I was working with our department of ag and doing some, some uh, farm tours. It was really, that was the, the energizing part of the job. School food service is not like a glamorous place to work. Um, but when you're doing really, really valuable stuff, like, I mean, to me, it was valuable and to the kids, I think, and families, uh, valuable, um, bringing real whole foods, scratch cooking, farm to table. Uh, I mean, the last, the last two years I was the district, each year we bought over $100,000 worth of local produce from 12 farms, not just produce, but meat. And uh, we were doing some really cool stuff. So, Okay, so here's a question for you. I mean, 
you just talked about you got a great schedule. You're doing really cool things as far as farm to table. You're able to be on these committees. You're helping to really move school food service forward. So, you know, after 17 years, what happened? Why would you leave? Uh, administration, the program administration is not, not a, not a fun thing for me anyway. I mean, some people really probably appreciate the um, administrative side of things. I'm not so, I'm more of a creative person and was not really super excited about that part of the job. So I kind of got burned out on that side of things, but thought it was a great time for me to move on and do some of this work on my own, doing some consulting and seeing if I could uh, leverage that and make a a living doing that, Uh, teaching others how to cook in schools, how to cook from scratch, how to do farm to table, how to run a, how to run a quality program. And so in November of um, 2016, I resigned from my position at the school district and opened a company with my wife called um, Chefy K and CA. And it's a funny little name that doesn't make any sense to anybody. But uh, Chefy K was what name uh, my friends and colleagues gave me um, when I was working with them in the restaurant world. And so, and my wife's name is Cheryl Ann and CA was her little moniker on that. So we opened that business in 2016 and um, started out as a cooking school in our home. Uh, We bought this home in Chelan, Lake Chelan, Washington, and uh, we dumped a bunch of money into it, remodeling it, put a beautiful kitchen in and designed it kind of like for groups to come in and and do these cooking classes. More of like a tourist fun kind of thing to do, you know, come to wine country, which is our area and uh, enjoy some wine and enjoy a cooking class and just, you know, hang out with others, other like-minded foodies. And it was a blast. It just wasn't making enough money. And it was just hard to live in our space live in our home, you know, and then also do business there too. So uh, we pulled back on the, on the cooking class part of it. uh, And someone introduced us to the idea of doing private chef work. And so I was surprised I hadn't even thought of doing that. I just didn't want to be a caterer really Uh, had done that and had done, you know, done a lot of work as, as a catering kind of catering work, you know, and it's just grueling. And I'm probably uh, talking to the, speaking preaching to the choir when i say how hard it is you know how much physically physically demanding um catering work is restaurant work in general so um that was great we we still do that we're trying to do less of it because we are also um the main focus of our business right now is our consulting business and our salt business salt is a um we make a special garlic seasoning salt fresh garlic um you know, most garlic seasoning or most seasoning salts are made with dried ingredients, of course, you know, salt and then dried spices and herbs and things like that. But I had this wild idea one time a few years ago for Christmas to make some fresh garlic seasoning salt for my family just for Christmas presents and uh, really turned out great. And we loved it and started developing products from it. So we have five varieties of fresh garlic seasoning salt. And it's kind of a unique, fun product. And we're leveraging that also, trying to do the best we can to market that. We got our first um, our first retail customer, a local store downtown here. And uh, so that's a fun part of the business. But the main thing we're really grind, uh, grinding on is doing the consulting. And that's uh, it's been a really, um, it's, very, it's very great, but it's also um, slow, a little slower than we'd hoped. 
And, um, but it's growing. It's, we're probably doing almost, you know, 30 or 40% more business than last year, which is great. And it's just inspiring. And no one's ever said, you know, scratch cooking or farm to school. That's a dumb idea. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. I, I do want to kind of come back for a minute though, and talk a little bit about school food service in general and, and kind of your take on it. Like where, where it was when you started kind of where you took it to and then where it could potentially go in the future. Uh, let's see. So like, um, when I started in school food service, it was, uh, a brand new world for me. And I didn't know anything about school food service. I just knew how to, I just knew about food. And I knew how to cook and I knew how to you know, run a restaurant. So I just applied those same principles and I, you know, I had to learn all of the administrative side of federal program administration. When I say administrative side, you know, that part I had to learn because uh, no one else on the planet has to do that except food school food service directors, public school food service directors. It's a very narrow group of people who, who get to figure out how to navigate the federal program, you know, the USDA uh, child nutrition program. It's uh, at the time it was, uh, it was before the Obama administration and Michelle Obama came in and made the, the, the first changes to that program in many, many years. And, and I believe it was a positive change uh, that, that she, that, you know, that what she was involved with. Um, but it was also a time when things got much more difficult in the school food service world because it really was a lot easier to do other, you know, you, you had a lot more latitude to cook. Uh, more along the lines of, you know, what restaurants would serve. Um, and then things got weird with, you know, a lot of the school food service, uh, new rules with um, requiring kids to take fruits and vegetables, which is one of the rules that's kind of controversial. You know, it's a, a matter of you can't leave the lunch line unless you have uh, a fruit or vegetable on your tray besides everything else. Cause, because the habit of kids, and I mean, the tendency of kids was to, you know, I can go and have a piece of pizza and a milk. And that's all I was, that was required in the, in the past. It was three of the five items uh, that schools are required to offer. Those are like meat or a meat alternate, uh, fruits, vegetables, um, and uh, milk. And all of those items have to be offered to the kids every day. And back in the day, you could just pick three of those, any three you wanted and move on. And uh, then when the rules changed, you had to do all kinds of um, lots more off uh, a variety of fruits and vegetables. Um, kids were required to take fruits and vegetables, which they could just dump right in the garbage, right? Once they got past the lunch line, which is one of those terrible uh, problems with this type of thing. I think that the future could include more training for food service people. It's a, it's a difficult, you know, it's a difficult uh, market as far as generally school food service, you know, has evolved to become uh, the vendors of manufactured food. So um, USDA goes out to bid on farm products, around the United States, they, they take, you know, they buy food for the U S commodity system. And then that food is manufactured into pizza, chicken nuggets, 
corn dogs, all of that manufactured fast foody stuff that you see everywhere. And um, that's kind of where school food service has ended up, which doesn't require a great deal of, you know, the everyday folks who are working in those jobs aren't required to have a ton of, of computer, of, of chef skills, of culinary skills, because it just really isn't necessary. You can, um, uh, just so much, uh, manufactured food in that world that, um, they're really, you go, <laughs> you go into these, you go into schools and, and there's just, um, the opportunities are unlimited as far as what could potentially happen in those environments because um, there's really not a lot of cooking going on. So um, for me, the opportunity was, um, was to be able to take the skills that I have, and that is, that is you know, culinary arts, scratch cooking, chef side of things, and to bring that into a school food environment. And um, it's always very positive as far as uh, the recipients always appreciate having the fresh food and everything like that. But it really is, um, it's really a tough, a tough deal because, you know, a lot of times um, you're walking into an, an operation that doesn't have uh, staff that understands scratch cooking, but they do know that it's a lot more work. And it really is a lot more work. And the, and the side the thing that gets frustrating is, you know, um, folks in that in the school food service world will, um, you know, make attempts on their own to do some scratch cooking and things like that, but but they're frustrated because the kids don't seem to like it very well, and uh, I think that has so much to do with just understanding how to make food taste good um, by using you know simple techniques that chefs understand and learn, you know, seasoning and sodium and uh, techniques, roasting, and, you know, everything to do with how chefs develop flavors in food uh, is unknown for the most part um, in the school food service world. So, so many opportunities for improvement uh, on getting food to just be better, taste better. Um, but, but schools like I have have evolved to the degree where they have removed cooking equipment. They have very little infrastructure for supporting scratch cooking or um, anything like that. And so that's a really uh, tough, tough deal there. You know, it's interesting to me because, you know, I've, I've got a little bit of experience in schools because I've done a lot of training on piece of equipment, combi ovens, blast chillers and different things that, that schools are moving to and they're purchasing, which is great. But it's that component that's missing, that training, that that coaching, that development of the staff, because it's great to buy a twenty or a thirty or a fifty thousand dollar piece of equipment. But then how many times do they just like use it as a storage shelf? Or how many times do they just not use it to its full capabilities? And you think, holy smokes, you have like this Mercedes of equipment and you're not using it for for anything other than just like a doorstop. I mean, I don't know. They just, it's just totally underutilized. Yep. And that's what happens. I can't tell you how many times I go into school, school kitchens and, uh, like here's an example. I said, I went into a school and I was going to do a, a really simple, um, wheat berry based salad. We were just going to cook the wheat berries. And I said, can I use this kettle? Uh, you know, a steam jacketed kettle in the kitchen. And they were like, sure, except, 
we don't use it here because it makes us makes a funny noise when we when we use it so i'm like okay well can i, can I just give it a try and it's like sure so i i go i go and turn it on and it it goes woof when you start you know from the gas um and so it's like okay i understand why that might be unnerving but but these are the kind of things we're talking about pieces of equipment that become shelves and and countertops and workspaces um, that really could be used for anything you do anything with it to do something with it don't just use it as, as a shelf and oh it's so funny it's so funny because been there been there done that um so let's switch gears a little bit and talk uh, talk some more about your salts i think this is really interesting this concept of fresh fresh garlic salt i I just love that. I think it's such a great idea. Um, so tell us more. So like I mentioned before, this was just like an, a wild idea that I had one Christmas holiday time. We were just coming up with some, some gifts to make for our families. And so uh, I wanted to make a fresh garlic salt. And so I started out by, you know, puring some garlic and um, mixing it into some kosher salt. And in my mind, what was going to happen was the salt was going to get ground up. I mean, the, the salt was going to act as a, as a grinding agent and it was going to, if I just mix this enough in the mixer, it would, it would be this, um, you know, kind of fresh garlic, salt, chunky, uh, flavorful, good stuff. And, um, and at first I was drying it out after I would make it, I would, I would dry it and then use that dried garlic salt that was made from fresh garlic. Um, and we'd mix in other goodies into it, you know, chilies or herbs or other things to make different varieties. And, um, and then out of, out of the blue, I'm making a batch and I thought, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dry this batch. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make the salt, the, the, the garlic, I'm going to combine the garlic and the pureed, I'm sorry, the salt and the pureed garlic and just not, not dry it and see how it turns out. And it was fabulous. It was just like, this is so good. It, it's a little bit sticky you know, and uh, from the garlic, the salt, and when you, you mix it together, all that garlic just attaches itself to the salt. And then the salt uh, is really uh, a great place to add other dried herbs and things like that, because they kind of stick to it. And so it just ends up being this super fresh smelling, tasting, um, kind of, uh, my wife hates the word moist because we I try to come up with words to describe it because it is kind of, it's kind of like, it kind of looks like, uh, like you could pack it into a little container and tip it out like sand, like beach sand. And it, it would hold, it holds a shape. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really fresh, lovely stuff. And so we make five varieties. We make a plain garlic salt, which is the, you know, the base product for all of our products. And then we, uh, we make one with a few types of ground chilies that has a, uh, some chipotle so it's got a nice smoky kind of core warming heat uh, when you eat it and then it we make another one that's called kick which is salt pepper garlic and red chilies and so it's just a little bit spicy not too spicy but just a little bit more spice in your mouth you know and then we make one that's just salt pepper salt black pepper and garlic and that's our uh, that's my kind of go-to everything salt and then uh, we make one that has, we call super salt, which is a plan words, S-O-U-P-E-R, super. And we um, have three herbs in there. We have some uh, thyme, oregano, basil, lemon zest, fresh garlic, and black pepper. 
And that is great. It was originally designed to do as like a cook-in, you know, like you would make, uh, you know, you saute carrots, celery, onions, going to make some soup or a stew or whatever, and you would throw in your herbs. So it's to, um, it's that portion, saute that with your other goodies and have a nice soup or a stew, or it's great rubbed on meats. Um, it's, I always tell people to rub it onto steaks or chicken or fish or something and let it, let it marinate overnight or uh, for several hours before cooking it. Um, we've been messing around with some different, and then we're messing around with some different packaging. So we have like a local, a kind of a local lake, lake themed packaging for our local area. So that's kind of fun. But anyway, great. It's very tasty stuff. And everybody who, who tastes it loves it. And um, we are, um, like I said, we have our first retail customer in our local uh, culinary shop here in town. So that's kind of fun. Very cool. I love it. I love Love your experience. Love that you've gone out on your own. You're following your dreams. You're following, you know, this path that you've you've got. And uh, man, just a lot of respect for you. So if somebody hears this and says, "Man, I want to get to know Mr. Chef Kent Getson," what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, the best way to get a hold of me is um, probably online. Um, you know, we have a couple of websites. We have our Chef EK and CA website where we do, uh, where we promote our private chef work and our salt business. And then we have the uh, Chef Kent Getson website, which is um, my consulting business. And we're I know, on Facebook, we're on Instagram, Chef EK and CA or Chef Kent Getson. Perfect. And parting piece of guidance that you have for anyone who's looking to get into this business or maybe wants to improve their career? Uh, focus on people. Um, think about the service side of things. I mean, uh, if you're on the fence about being a chef, then maybe um, one of the things you need to consider is whether you feel like um, service, the service industry is, is your thing. Because I really think the best chefs in the world are the ones that not necessarily are the best cooks in the world, but um, that really understand hospitality and um, that we're serving people. I think that's the, the main thing. And then, you know, getting out there and, and, and learning the ropes and, you know, it's learning to cook. I always encourage young people to learn to cook because it can take you anywhere you want to go in the whole world. You can just go work anywhere you want because everybody has to eat. And so, uh, couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you to Chef Kent Getson for being with us today. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.